What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's Texas football talk from those who wore the burnt orange. Welcome to Longhorn Lowdown. Now, here's Todd Hunt, Stevie Lee, and Stu Myron. Boy, that has been a long six months. But, hey, we'll just call it the season premiere. It is Longhorn Lowdown. Stu Myrick here with the two best defensive linemen I could find. Anyway, I'll let them block for me. Todd Hunt, Stevie Lee, what's up, boys? Yep, yep. Nothing much, man. How you doing? You and must didn't look very far. You know? I know. Well, you know, it's it's called what I can afford on my budget. Yeah, so, exactly. oh, so that's what it is. That's all messed up. But hey, but hey, I'll take you any day of the week. Yeah. You know. And and now I've got I've got a linebacker. We got a we got the trio here. Yeah. So on the couch t- today, he is affectionately known as B Nips. And we're gonna have to we're gonna have to explore this. Yeah. Brandon Nava. What's up, Brandon? Oh, not a whole lot. How are y'all doing? Good, man. Good. Man, it's it's been six months since we got together. Yeah. I mean, we, the last one was Colin Leffler. So uh we'll like I say, we'll call this our season premiere. We're getting ready. Yeah. We're just a f- three weeks out from the Longhorns taking the field against Maryland. Absolutely. So but that's that's for that's future. Let's talk let's talk some history. Let's talk okay. some history. So we can do that. Brandon Nava, the pride of Mesquite High School. <laughs> Mesquite High School. Mesquite. Yeah. Mesquite. Okay. Uh, Malik Malik uh, played at Poteet and uh Maurice Gordon played at West Mesquite. Y'all remember Maurice? Yeah, and, I remember Maurice. And uh Cedric and uh guy named Josh Spurl played at North. And then I played at Mesquite High. What about uh, Marco Martin? Do you remember him? Marco. Big he, Marco was a few years younger than I was. Yeah, but he was what school? Mesquite. Mesquite. Mesquite High? He was that team that won the state title in 01. As, as a running back. He was a running back. <laughs> he, he was, he was a, a triple option fullback. <laughs> a triple option fullback. Fullback, yeah. And he, I saw him on film break away. Oh yeah, open field. Before he had that knee injury, man, yeah. he could move. And then he ate him himself to the D line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that so that's how that's how you get D linemen just just start yeah. stuffing the gullet yeah. with no question, you know, pizzas and stuff. Just right? keep eating. Just, just keep, keep eating. eating. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's fantastic. So, Brandon, tell us a little about your you know younger years, like just kind of grew up origins yeah. kind of thing. I. Um, I grew up in a small town north of Wichita Falls called Vernon, Texas. Have a rich football history up there. They won. They were. They really competed uh, with football titles in the three A class and against South Lake Carroll. A lot of those years, my brothers played in those teams. And then my dad, he took a job uh, in Mesquite, which is a suburb, kind of a bedroom community, probably fifteen minutes, twenty minutes from downtown Dallas. When I was in fifth grade. Um, from a family standpoint, I come from a big family, a uh, real blended family. Uh, dad remarried a few times. 
and just collected stepbrothers along the way. I'm one of ten boys. Wow. Wow. Right. Uh, four. Field your own football team. <laughs> we right. could. We could. And we were tough, man. We. Uh, I've cut my fingers off. I've cut my nose off. Had it all stitched up. Really? My head, I've cut my head with stitches more times than I can count. Yeah. Um, but grew up, grew up kind of in a bigger family. Brothers were always active. My oldest brother played junior college baseball, is a scratch golfer now. Uh, my second oldest was a middle linebacker, played for Southeastern Oklahoma, uh, which is in Durant. Um, but that's where Dennis Rodman played ba- basketball. Okay. And then had a cousin who played offensive line for Southeastern. And my, my third oldest brother, Jason, he won the state title in, in Vernon. Uh, they went 16-0 and in 1990-91. And so kind of came from a background where older brothers were five, six, seven years older than I was. And so just followed them around. We are, were always playing something, whether it's basketball or football. And then my sixth grade year, I went from just being an average – Kid, average height. I grew thirteen inches. Right. <laughs> so one of, the, one of those uh, all of a sudden overnight, and it's like <laughs> you've outgrown everything. Your mom's custom because she's got to go out and buy new shoes, new yep. clothes, and all that good stuff. Dude, right? my dad had to had to replace my jeans. I was flooding <laughs> like, every month. He was he, he just got so mad because I think we had to go to like a consignment store because he goes, man, I'm not buying you new jeans every yep. month. No question. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, so it was one of those things where you probably saw that I didn't know, but when you start heading into the middle school years, I'm 6'3", 6'4", 180, 200 pounds, and then you just start growing from there, right? And then you get into the high school ranks, which my head coach at the time was a guy by the name of Mickey Delamar. Um, uh, And then his offensive coordinator took over after that. Name was Steve Halpin, and uh, Halpin uh, was the one who eventually won that state title in two thousand one. Okay, so now, so you go from what? What took you from Vernon to Mesquite? You know, my dad was um, my dad was uh, superintendent of the city, so always water, and he always ran kind of the civil kind of utilities, that kind of stuff of a city, so. Got a big opportunity in Mesquite, kind of doubled his salary, kind of one of those things where Vernon's smaller town, uh, he gets his job in Mesquite, and he just kind of, we went and ate pizza once, and he said, listen, we're going to move to Mesquite in two weeks. Okay. So it was one of those things where, okay, we're going to get up, and we're going to move, and we're going to go. So, How many people in your family were like, in that group at that time that you guys made that big group? You know what? It was three of my brothers. Well, no, actually – Four of my brothers and I and my dad and my stepmom moved. One of my brothers stayed back in Vernon because he was a sophomore, about to be a junior. Mm-hmm. And they were they were competing for state titles. Yeah. So my dad let him stay back and, and you know, and play and start and because you know, a three A linebacker during those years might have been a you know, five eleven, six foot, two hundred pound linebacker. Well right. when you start going getting into five A, you know, Kids start changing. Yeah, you know? yeah, they do. The depth starts changing. You just have a bigger pool to draw from. Well, and and what was it like to go from a small town like Vernon to basically a suburb of Dallas? I mean, that there had to have been some sort of a cult- culture shock there. Big, big culture shock because 
you know, when you're in Vernon, there, I think the, at the time the population might be 9,000 people, right? Wow. Yeah. 9,000 people, um, two, two different sides of the tracks. When you, when you go to Mesquite as a bedroom community, most people worked in Mesquite or lived in Mesquite and worked in Dallas. Yeah. And so, you know, it was always one of those things where you go from a town of 9,000 to a town of 100,000. Mm-hmm. And with multiple high schools, I think four high schools at the time, I think there's five now. And you're, you, start, you start running into a lot more competition. Yeah. Right. Know? And then you're connected to the Garland schools, mm-hmm. the DeSotos, mm-hmm. the D- Duncanvilles, the game Lancaster. changers, Lancaster. Right. the Lancasters. Yep. All those, all those schools that had just you know such winning traditions. Yes, you know right. championships on top of championships and all that good stuff. Right. Yes, I mean you go from a team. I mean you know we probably had a hundred kids go out for ninth grade football in, at Mesquite. So you know it just wasn't. It, it was different. I mean it was different culturally. It was different. Just kind of an adjustment to just what it looked like. And but we had a special group of kids uh, when I moved there a lot of athletes and you know high school coaches will tell you they can see four or five years behind them if a seventh or eighth grade class are going to be pretty good yeah well we had six kids go division one my senior year Mm. wow you know which out of mesquite at the time i think that was the most that's pretty good well let's go back to when did you start playing football did you start in um in in mesquite or did you start you know what actually no i actually start well Vernon had like a little flag football, like yeah. second, third, fourth grade. You know, you play after school. That's when I knew I was going to play football. I think our team, uh, they put us on four different teams in the second grade. And our team, the whole season, I think we had like six games. Uh, we, I, uh, our team scored 31 touchdowns, and I scored 30 of them. Wow. What? You, know, awesome. you did. Still, Were you running back? Just a white, freckle-faced, red-headed kid. Yeah, running back. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I looked like Scott Farkas on the Christmas day. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, just oh, awesome. no eyebrows, just ugly. And, yeah. You know, and so that's when you are at this. And when I moved to Mesquite, they had like an organized peewee, you know. And Mesquite is known for like they had like. 30 teams of, of four teams. You have a flag football, E, C, and yeah. D. I mean, you had mm-hmm. you had all the way up. You had cheerleaders and dancers. I mean, it was pretty – so in fifth grade, you know, every, every mesquite boy was on some sort of football team. That's where I got introduced to padded football, you know, where mm-hmm. – you know, you you you're going to practice. It wasn't middle school yet, right? You're in a different. We were the Bulldogs, right? Okay. So, in sixth grade, I start playing padded football practice. My body just starts to grow out of the universe, right? I mean, mm-hmm. just and so, seventh grade, I wasn't really connected with anyone in Mesquite yet because I'd only been there for a year and a half or so. I decided to play pee wee football again. Right, and not middle school, mm. dude. And my my buddies gave me hell about that because oh, wow. I'm in PE over here, right? With, right, yeah. With all the people who are in PE, you know who you know who you are, um, <laughs> and so that'd be me, <laughs> right? And I'm playing peewee football. Well, the year is 1989, and Andre Ware and and the Houston Cougars are just they're lining up in four wide. They're running the run and shoot, right? Mm-hmm. And so our little our little league team, when we, we had to score points, we just did the run and shoot, right? Which meant I would just tuck it and run it. 
you know, and we won the city championship my my there seventh grade year, right? That's awesome. Right, and so, and I think our middle school, I, they, they suck. So, you know, I think they went four and four in eight games. So they were mad at me, you know, for not being on their team. But it was at that time where eighth grade is where you start getting with the kids that you're going to play. You know, we had two middle schools that fed into Mesquite, uh, Agnew and Wilkinson, and then once we got there, we knew we had a pretty good group core of people that we could make a run for the state championship, which, you know, in 5A in, in Texas, it's, Big you know, time. yeah. Some yeah. some people like Allen, some people like Katie, that mm-hmm. they can reload every year, right? Oh, yeah. Mesquite, you had once every five or six years, you might have had a shot to go deep, at least then, and that's how even Mesquite was. Even worse than Richardson, because I've been to Pierce and Richardson. <laughs> so it's even worse there. Pierce Pierce beat us on Pierce beat right. us my junior Pierce year. Pierce beat him. <laughs> <laughs> Pierce beat us our junior year. We, we beat – Jay Humphrey and uh, Richardson the next year, but oh, wow. Big Jay was the offensive tackle. Mm. He weighed about 200 pounds before he started <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> now he's 400 pounds. Oh man! So I mean, so you get so you get into high school, yeah, and Mesquite High School. You're you're you know getting better at the game, getting better at the game, yeah. going forward. What position? Yeah, what position? You know what? My my freshman year, I played uh, right tackle, uh, and I wore number sixty six, and I wore outside <laughs> linebacker, and I, and I played outside linebacker, and I picked a few off for to, for touchdowns, like you yeah. know, like in on defense, but I never got used to playing offensive line. Oh, wow. So the next year, my tenth grade year is when you could start to tell, okay, there's a separation, right? right. I'm probably at that time. I'm six three. I'm two twenty five, two thirty. Okay, right? Because uh, I was a big middle linebacker my senior year. I was two fifty, right? Two forty, two fifty. Right. They don't, they don't really make them like that anymore, mm. just because there's no tight ends, there's no fullbacks. Right. Everyone's playing in space. You know, yeah. the all the middle, all the linebackers that play at Texas now, they're just safeties. Right? Oh yeah, I mean, big, it's, just, it's yeah. They want they're wanting the speed. They want the agility. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, so you're you're playing high school football. Yeah. What was the first inkling that you were getting you were going to get offered a scholarship? Here's what's crazy about that. So now you see, you know, there are, you know, there's Under Armour All-Americans, there's mm-hmm. USA All-Americans. You know, at that time none of that was developed, Mm-mm. right? Not at all. And Even, you didn't you didn't have you didn't have websites like Orange Bloods or or twenty four seven or any of those as no, well. I think you had there was one uh, I forget what his name was Lemming maybe the, the one the only football magazine in Texas Athlons 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 yeah. and in Texas football in Texas but that football. that was kind of the only that was the only one. Um, so what happened was you know now. People are being targeted ninth and tenth grade, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, if you're starting to kind of rise, it's ama- which is amazing to me. Back then, it's almost as if the head coaches wanted to keep that away from you for as long as possible yep. to keep you air quotes hungry. I guess I, I'm not sure what, yeah. <laughs> right? I so, mean, I, I guess I could see that where you know if you start getting start hearing that you know school A, school B, school C, and, yes. and there's name schools. Yes, I could see where maybe someone that is a you know sophomore in high school might get a little bit of big head or yeah you know so yeah like you said keep hungry keep humble yeah you know stay at it yeah um, so who was it that who was your first offer from 
Well, that that's a funny story. So what happened was, my I go through my junior year. Right. Well, back up. And I was a baseball player, hmm. you know, longer than I was a football player. Really? Probably had more more uh, potential in baseball than I did in football. Why did you Why did you not go pursue that? Well, I dislocated. I was. We were doing mat drills my tenth grade year in football. You know, getting ready for off season. I dislocated my elbow. Hmm. So. I wasn't I, – they casted it up. I wasn't able to play baseball my 10th grade year. So I played ninth grade year, didn't play 10th. I played my 11th grade football year, and here comes 11th grade baseball, right? And it's part of the story. It's, I'm, I'm, out, I'm basically out of practice of baseball for two years, right? Still have no idea that I'm getting recruited, right? Because coaches tried to hold until your senior year then. Mm-hmm. And so I'm literally striking out – Almost every time I go up to bat, because I haven't swung a bat in two years. Well, the baseball coach at Mesquite kind of, I think he kind of knew, like, from the head co- football coach, like, hey, listen, he's getting recruited. So he pulled me in. He goes, listen, I've never done this before, but I'm going to ask you to quit. <laughs> what? He goes, in my whole career, I've never asked a kid to quit. He goes, I'm going to ask you to quit. I'm like, you know, I'm a, again, <laughs> that bad of a baseball. That ugly, freckle faced kid <laughs> yeah. just got rejected. And I start crying on him. I'm wow. like, what's going on, coach? I, he goes, Well, son, he goes, Coach Delamar, which is the head football coach, he said he has a stack of letters to the ceiling with your name on it. Wow. And I was like, What? He goes, You're going to be recruited to play football. And I was like, I had no idea. Wow. So he goes, So get your stuff. Go to football off season and go talk to coach, and he had been holding for the past year mm-hmm. all of those letters that came. Mm-hmm. Wow! My first, my first letter, if if I remember correctly, I think it was from Texas Tech. Okay. So it was uh, Spike Dykes had a son, has two sons, Sonny Dykes and Rick Dykes. Mm-hmm. Rick Dykes was the first guy to recruit me. Uh, and it comes into my recruiting story later. But it was one of those things where literally I open the door and there are all of these letters from everywhere. Nebraska mm-hmm. at the time, Michigan, um, uh, UCLA, uh, every, everywhere pretty much beside, well, even Florida State, Notre Dame, all of them. So literally in a matter of minutes, I went from going – I'm either going to go to a small college or go to the military because those are my two options because mm-hmm. you know, we didn't come from yep. a lot of money. And so I look and go, okay, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a career at this. I'm mm-hmm. going to give it a go. Who, which school was the most surprising as far as, you know, you got a letter. Who were you most surprised at? That you Honestly, got? Nebraska. Cause, really? Because, you know, if you, if you tell a, a kid now that Nebraska was good then, yeah, they don't really even know the context what you're talking about, right? Like, the only context that you can kind of bring it up to is they basically were like the Alabamas of the '90s, right? Like, you know, they were they won three national titles, '94, '95, '97. They had an outside chance to win it in '99, and they could have won it in '93 if if their kicker doesn't push a push a field goal. Mm-hmm. So you're talking five or six years out of that whole the whole '90s. So when I started getting a, when getting calls from you know Coach Osborne, that, that's that's when I knew okay I, I, I'm I'm going to go somewhere big. Right? Yeah. Wow. And so I mean that's I mean I, and I gotta imagine that you know 
when you all of a sudden you see all those letters, I mean, yeah. what was what was the first thing that went through your head? I mean, because you know you're you're being told to quit baseball, and all of a sudden, yeah, you know it's because pretty much every Division One school in America wants you to play football at their school. It was surreal. I mean, it life literally changed overnight because you know there's recruit open recruiting periods where coaches can call. Right. So you're getting 15, 10, 15 letters in the mail a day. I mean, you're filling up trash bags with these things, right? Absolutely. And then and then you and then you start getting calls at dinner, yep. you know? In the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. Right. Yeah. And hey, then, I need you to come down to the office. Got a phone call for you. Right. I mean, I get so, it. So, I mean, it, it literally, like, you become – you basically become like a little celebrity. I, I'm sure the coaches could see it, right? But I was a kid who – you know, battled a lot of inner turmoil as far as family is concerned, uh, a lot of that. So I, I always had, I always, I always overcompensated with the insecurities in my life, just fighting the hell out of people. You know, mm-hmm. there wasn't a fight I would turn down. There's not a beer I wouldn't drink. I mean, it, it was, I was all the way. You know, when I saw people like Brian Bosworth, I just thought, that's the way you do it. That's the way you do football. <laughs> you know, because here he is, 87, 88. Right. I mean, even though it seemed like a lifetime ago, I was five or six years after that getting recruited. So those are the, you know, you saw the SMU scandals. You saw mm-hmm. the TCU scandals. You mm-hmm. saw the Houston scandals. You saw, I mean. Pretty much all the Southwest Conference, <laughs> yeah. quite frankly. <laughs> Pretty much. The, the, only, the only thing that really sucked was everyone thought you were getting paid because they were getting paid five years ago. And yeah. All that money dried up. Like, you oh yeah, get, you didn't get a meal. Well, yeah, yeah. after you didn't as, get nothing. After SMU gets a te- death penalty, everybody's going, oh, okay, we better stop doing this, or yeah. maybe we have to quit playing football. I mean, know? I can still remember uh, opening a book of the by the boss, and he he is in, he's a what twenty two year old kid in front of his own house with a Corvette and a Jeep, right? Yeah. And so when you go to college, everyone has this idea that. You're going to get a Corvette and a Jeep, and someone's going to give you thousand dollar handshakes too, right? Yeah, yeah. Couldn't be further from the truth. At least me, anyway. I, I, it, me neither, man. I was broke, <laughs> mate. I promise. Single parent household, done. Yeah, and, and we, my dad was on the line where I, I wished I would have just been an independent, so I could have got Pell because <laughs> every time every time Pell checks came in. All my teammates had leather jackets and, and anything they wanted. <laughs> I don't have anything. Right. You know? Yeah, man. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> let me go back to um, to high school and your recruiting letters. Yeah. Did your parents know that you were being recruited? I feel like this, and, and, and I don't want to say anything bad about your head coach and the way he did things, but I think yeah. that's a disservice to a kid to hold their uh, letters back. It, I <coughs> Knowing what, like, I have some strong opinions about <coughs> – how things are run now. I yeah. mean, it, you start seeing kids in the college ranks now who they're almost more important than the college program that they go and see or mm-hmm. they go to play for. I, I definitely do. I wished he would have let me have them a year before. Yeah. Just because they're, you have to start preparing for certain things. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking, man. Like, like your, your mom and dad needed to know that you have a, a different future, you yes, know? yes, and um, you can you could have started preparing for that future, you know, a year in, prior, you know. Oh God! And you know, my senior year, 
they had just, I don't even know if they even call it this now, but it was called the NCA Clearinghouse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they still, still have a clearinghouse. Yeah. They still call it. Well, I yeah. went through, yeah. That yeah, was the first year that, we, I mean, you. Get, I, I still remember getting the clearinghouse letter of, you have to take it to your registrar and, mm-hmm. you know, are you qualified to do all, are you tracking to graduate and not just some paper degree or exactly. you know, diploma, right? Right. And so, for me, when when those letters, I mean, I literally, I, I'll never forget, like, it, it was too many to carry, right? Like, yeah. it was too many to carry. There weren't cell phones in 1994. No. Nope. 93, 94, right? Mm-hmm. So you couldn't just phone dad and be like, hey, dad, like, or text him and go, hey, listen, or Snapchat or Instagram. It, right? <laughs> like, it was like me literally like, hey, man, like, y'all, like, I, I think I went and asked the janitor. I'm like, do y'all have, like, an extra uh, bag. trash bag? And I just like Santa Claus, just grabbed everyone I could, and and here I am. I'm walking into the house, and my dad, who had taken me to every practice, who had made every meal in my life, and I'm like, Dad. He goes, What is that? I go, They're letters. He goes, From who? Mm-hmm. He goes, From colleges. He's like, yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, for for yeah, I can only imagine as a dad who had all these kids who, you know, he couldn't really provide college educations for all those kids. Mm-hmm. Right. For one of them to be like, hey, like, this one's going to be taken care of. There was a, I mean, he he really, there, there was a big sigh of relief from him, mm-hmm. right? But going back even further, when he was a kid, he lived on a farm. I My, my grandfather lived, was from Mexico. Right. He was a sustenance farmer, right? He didn't own his land. And so he had to come into my dad. He had to come to my dad. My dad was going into senior year in high school and said, "You got to quit high school and you got to farm with us because we need your hands." And my dad got mad and he walked into town like five or six miles and enlisted in the army and walked back and said, "Listen, you can either sign these papers or wait until I'm 18 in a few weeks. Either way, I'm going." Mm-hmm. And so my dad, you know, when faced with that, he just made a decision as a 17, 18-year-old man to go into the military. Mm-hmm. Now here I am, you know, able to, like, <laughs> take this big bag of letters from literally colleges that we knew about but we didn't know about. Right. right. I mean, yeah. you start talking, like, Washington State from Pullman, like, Washington. Mm-hmm. Like, you're from Vernon, Texas. Like, what do you know about Pullman, Washington? Mm-hmm. Like. Wyoming starts recruiting me. Uh, John Harbaugh at Cincinnati was, I mean, all of the assistant coaches then are the who's who now. Right. Mark Mangino. uh, Tom Herman. Tom Herman. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and even further that, I mean, further back, I mean, I I could, I wish I would have brought my, just a sample of the letters just to see. I mean, it's all of the head coach. I mean, John Harbaugh wanted to get me up in Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, I'm like, John, I can't go to Cincinnati. Like, <laughs> who, go, I mean, who goes? Who goes to Cincinnati? Cincinnati? From, from right. Vernon, Most Texas, Texas boys are not going to Cincinnati. Right? Not, well, trade four hundred days of sunshine for four days in Cincinnati? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I don't think so. You know, so it it became it became a real surreal moment where where I realized, okay, this is um, another big another big memory. I remember I was asked to be put on a uh, all-Southwest preseason All-American team, right? Mm-hmm. One of the kids... At Texas or well, before? At, at Mesquite. Got it. Okay. At Mesquite. 
And um, I'll never forget this. One of the best safeties in the country, his name was Calvin Goldsmith. I don't know if y'all remember him. Um, he played at Carter. We had taken this picture together for this publication. And uh, that night, uh, one of his friends, I think they were playing dominoes or something. Mm-hmm. Calvin was, um, I didn't know Calvin. I just knew him from, he was going to be the best safety in the country. But uh, his friend was playing around with a gun. He had, he had taken the clip out. There was one in the chamber, and he shot Calvin, killed him. Hmm. And I'll never forget, like, just, you know, just seeing this guy who literally was the best. I mean, I don't know if there was a better safety in mm-hmm. America that I just saw 10 hours earlier, right, oh, as man. on my recruiting trips and stuff. You know what's crazy about what you just said? My grandmother was teaching at Carter at the time of that happening. Really? Yeah. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was. I mean, it shook, it shook us. Like, I mean, imagine, you know, there was probably, we had to go to Carter. Right? Like, I mean, I'm from, I'm from White Mesquite at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you got to go to Dallas Carter during summer school. Yeah. And there are not a lot of white people no. at Carter High School. <laughs> no. no. Right. And me and this one guy from Irving are the only two white guys on this uh, all Southwest team. <laughs> like, we're going to take these pictures. We're going to get out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's places over in South Oak Cliff. We're going to yeah, we're gonna get out of Dodge. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. I, I, man, that's, that's just. Let me ask you this. What was the visit process like? Was it. Was it as organized as it as it is today? With you know, you have so many official visits, but you can do unofficial visits, and and you know, what did that what did that entail? And what was? Give me a couple stories from your visits that that you that just stand out from anywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, I can. I mean, this these are real vivid for me. So they should um, be. That means you had a good time. <laughs> you know, and now like, you know, a kid from Vernon now from Mesquite, right? He gets to go and he gets to get on a plane and he gets to go and eat shrimp and steak. That was like, I mean, I was dining with King. Did right? you, did you fly commercial or private commercial? Well, commercial A&M, they hooked me on a, like a little eight man, Little uh, plane, yeah. right? Little little prop. Uh, but my first visit was so the the big players during recruiting, right? You have mm-hmm. five at the time, five official visits. I, I assume. Where'd you it, go? Well, I went. I went. The first one was University of Houston. Okay. Why Houston? They had a defensive line coach named uh, Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Shouldn't have gone on the visit, but they had been there. I'm a loyal guy, so. They had been almost been there with me for the whole time. Okay, but you know, University of Houston was coming off sanctions, mm-hmm. and you know, as we know, up until you know uh, Art Browse got there, they had taken it on the nose for the better part of fifteen yeah. years, yeah. right? So there was no chance I was going to go to Houston. The problem was uh, the big players that I was looking at was uh, Nebraska, which. They'd won two national titles in my time there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan with um, in '97 they won it. Right? Uh, UCLA with Cade McNown and those guys. They were uh, they had a they had an old defensive coordinator. His name was Bobby Fields, and he was a Texas guy. And he was recruiting a handful of guys 
out of the Texas area to come to uh, to UCLA, and so um, and it was Texas and Texas A and M. So I go to University of Houston. It's the first time I've ever flown Southwest or any flight, um, and you know it was a good trip. I mean they had they had just built they they were still in the Astrodome. Right. <laughs> That's old. God, no, they're still the Astrodome. Like so, they wow. would take you. They like they would. That that was the first time I saw like a, a like a a college like take your number in their colors and yeah. put your name on it, yeah. right? And try to give you the that feel. Yeah, give you the feel. But the problem is, dude, you were in the boonies and you were in the Astrodome. Yep. And you know they hadn't they hadn't developed that on on-campus stadium yet. The only cool thing about Houston was is that they have a degree plan for hospitality and hotel management. They have a Hilton on campus that are run by the college students. So they can, like, hook you up with all these goodies (laughs) that other colleges... So every time you went to the... Every time you went back to your room, not only was it clean and turned down, you had all these baskets of goodies. So that was... It was just the first time, you know, and um, Kim Helton was the head coach there. His son, Clay, is the head coach at USC now. Hmm. Um, but the pro- here's where my recruiting trip starts to go. So I was slated to go to Michigan and Nebraska. The challenge is, and this is with a lot of these guys who try to hold to the very end, uh, excuse me, um, the first – when I went to Houston, I got a call from Michigan and I got a call from Nebraska. Uh, they had filled all their linebacker spots. Mm. So, so they offer you and then so you and they turn around and say, oh, we don't have a spot now. Because back then there were no junior camps. There yeah. are no there are there is there wasn't like, you know, player personnel development and all the things that there, that's evolved into. It was college coaches. I don't know how they did it. Game planned. Then they coached, and then they had to call you at night. That's what recruiting yeah. was. Yeah. And there was a recruiting coordinator. His name was Randy Rogers at the time. Yeah, Randy Rogers Randy, recruiting. Yeah, Randy, Randy Rogers. And so, so, so literally, because I went to Houston, there was a chain reaction, and now Cut two two teams are now have called and said, you know what. Uh, if something happens or if somebody decommits, we'll call you, don't call us kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now I had to change total uh, trajectory. The second weekend, uh, I went to the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. So uh, a guy by the name of Dan Rocco was the outside linebacker coach. He's the guy who recruited Aaron Humphrey, if you all know Aaron Humphrey. Right. He, uh, he was a Northeast guy. I think he's either at uh, – Charlotte or Liberty? Uh, he's the head coach now. Hmm. Uh, most intense guy I've ever met. Uh, the defensive coordinator at the time was a guy by the name of Dan uh, Gary Darnell. Coach Darnell. Uh-huh. He, he coached when I was there. Oh, he was there. Yeah. Coach Darnell. Yeah. yeah. And so he went. To, he accepted the Western Michigan job. But those were the kind of the main players. Uh, and a guy by the name of Steve Steve Bernstein. Okay. And coach Bernstein. Yeah. Same you know same, same years. Steve. Yeah. Steve uh, Bernstein is literally the guy who opened up the pipeline to California. Like all of those California players that I was playing, uh, Ricky Williams, Mm -hmm. 
Brandon Healy, uh, Clarence Martin, Anton Hector, Pat Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. and Matt Jones. There was quite a few that just came from, uh, and we'll talk about this later, uh, Ron McKelvey. Uh, ah. Right? Ron. Uh, <laughs> I don't know Ron. Oh, we oh. know Ron. We'll talk about oh. Ron later. Uh, you're going to love it. Okay. Love it. <laughs> so, so, so I went to Texas, and uh, my two hosts are Pat Fitzgerald and a guy by the name of Steve, Steve Bradley. Okay. Both of them are tight ends. And um, they were getting ready to play North Carolina in the Sun Bowl. So they were doing all their bowl practices. Yeah, that right? was not 94. 94. December 94. of 94. This right. was against Mac Brown and yeah. the Carolina Tar Heels. I, w- I went December 16th. I don't know how I know that, but I, that weekend I went. And it was it was different. Uh, you knew that, you know, like the best way I can describe it is you guys ever seen Gladiator, the movie Gladiator? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. absolutely. What man has right? And so <laughs> Marcus Aurelius is pulling aside um, uh, Maximus, and he said, "Hey, listen, what are we doing all this for?" Right? And he goes, "The glory of Rome, sir." You know, he goes, <laughs> but, "He reminds us, right? but you've never been." He goes, "You've never seen Rome. How could you know?" Wow. Right? And he was just fighting for some. So when I come to Austin, Texas, right, and you see people like Tony Brackens and you start mm-hmm. seeing Norman Watkins and you start seeing oh. James Brown. Mm-hmm. You start like there was something when you wore especially when the guys wore all white, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was like I you were that. talking to I mean it was the closest thing to the Dallas Cowboys you'd ever seen. Yeah. Right. And now they have their helmets off and they're talking uh, stormy. Yeah. Um Stony Clark? I mean Stony. Stony. Yeah, Stony Stony was one of one of my good friends to this day. And you know, we, we went we went out and you know, and they and honestly it wasn't a whole lot of crazy like shotgun and beers then. It came later. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> that stuff right. comes later. But you know, you know, when you're a kid and these guys who you almost you look up like godlike almost, right? Like you have a healthy respect, like Raycom. You see Texas football all the time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, when I went from Houston, then I'm at Texas. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm batting with the big boys now. Yep, right. I'm playing with the big boys. I mean, where they had us. I think they had us in the, uh, not the Omni, but I forget. It's it's off like double tree. The double tree. Yes, sir. I love them cookies. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I love them cookies. Yeah. Still. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The double tree. Was it – how much did the tradition of Longhorn football speak to you? Because you just talked about, you know, the, yeah. the greats that played and, and, yeah. and everything. How much, did, how much did that play into, you know, what you ultimately decided? I, I think subconsciously as a kid from Texas, it played a huge part. Yeah. If you rewind, my brother Brian, he was the linebacker. He was the reason why I played linebacker kind of modeled everything after him. I, I'll never forget, he, there, in Wichita Falls, there is a, uh, there's a high school bowl game, Texas All-Stars against Oklahoma All-Stars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in those bowl games, at least then, you would just trade stickers from the high yep. schools you were at, right? right you just, yeah. yeah. Kind of like the Hula Bowl. Hula kind of like the that, Hula Bowl, yeah. right? And, at least then. And he came home. He has a Vernon Lion helmet. He came home with 
somebody, I don't know where they got it from, but it was a burnt orange Longhorn. Yeah. It was on the back of his helmet, and he put it up the very back. And that was the first time, like that was the first seed that dropped, right? Yeah. And then here it here comes, I'm on this visit, and then Priest Holmes just absolutely rips North Carolina. <laughs> Four touchdowns, mm-hmm. uh, over 200 yards, I'm assuming. I mean, he ripped them, right? And so tradition played a huge part. I mean, you're 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 talking about in the state of Texas, you hear guys like you know Eric Dickerson. You got, I mean, I could go all the way back, but then you start seeing Texas and wherever you go, and to this day, I I can I can be talking to someone who played in the NFL who didn't play at Texas. And I'm just literally genuinely curious about, man, how was your experience and how, what did you, what was your thoughts? It invariably, it always comes back to Rome. (laughs) (laughs) What was your experience like at Texas? Yeah. And little did I know as an 18 year old kid, and I'll get into it here in a second, how I even decided, but that was probably one of the first important decisions of my life it would have totally changed. So the next, so after the 16th, they, they do that kind of like, uh, you know, where you kind of, there's a two week period Dead around period. Christmas, right? Dead period. Dead period. Right. So I, I start back. So now UCLA calls during the time they fill all their spots hmm. and Bobby Fields calls and says, Hey, listen, what about playing defensive end? Famous last words, I go, I will never put my hand in the ground. I'm going to play linebacker. Okay. Well, little did you know, when you're a 250-pound, 18-year-old kid, <laughs> you're going to eat a lot of food when you go to college. You're going to eat a lot of weight. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're not going to stay 250 pounds. No question. <laughs> and so, so here now, within literally a three-week period, now it's Christmas, UCLA has fallen off. Ain't, uh uh, Michigan and Nebraska have now fallen off, and I've just gone to Houston and Texas, mm-hmm. and so now here here comes you know recruiting uh, peaks back up. I go to Texas Tech uh, on uh, MLK weekend, hmm. and is this an official visit or unofficial? It was an official visit. Official, official visit, and Tech made the made the mistake, and instead of bringing you in on a Friday because there were, there weren't any students there, no, right. Wow. So they they get they bring you there Saturday and they you fly out on a Monday. Well, there's not there's nothing really going on in Lubbock anyway, right? Right, <laughs> and there still isn't. There still isn't, right? It's a so dry county, isn't it? I, yeah, yeah, it, it is still. It's, yeah, dry. yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to drive like two or three miles outside of downtown. I mean, and I grew up in Vernon, right? Well, they've got there's a bar right there's a bar at the. Isn't it on the outskirts? No, I, I've been to I've been to a couple be bars new. right next to campus. Must be new. Must yeah, be right, it's got to be new. Could you buy beer in like a store? I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure. I was there. I was there two years ago on business, and I went. I actually went to a bar for you to watch UFC. 
Well, this was '94. Okay, so yeah, like, this not, like yeah, two yeah, years ago. ago. <laughs> Hell, look, <laughs> look, I'm from I'm from East Texas. Believe the county where my brother lives is still dry, you know. And even, even in like Longview, you had to, it had to it depended on which side of Highway 80 you were on. So you know, you had to buy the little dollar memberships or something so you could buy yeah. you know buy a drink or whatever. Wow. And, you know, and Texas Tech has its own unique like. Growing up in Vernon, which is at the base of the Panhandle, heading up to Amarillo, Lubbock is just a, sh- a short shot from uh, Vernon. It it has kind of the same culture. It's very West Texas. You know, after the game, all the kids flock on the field. They take your you know your gloves off and your wristbands off, and they try to steal your stickers off your helmet. So I'd kind of grown up in that environment, and. They were great. I mean, Spike Dykes is one of the best men I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had an incredible staff, you know. And at that time, they had just got beat by Tony Baselli and Keyshawn Johnson at, with USC in the Cotton Bowl, right? right? In '94, there was a five-way tie in the Southwest Conference because A and M's on probation. Mm. A five-way. There were five teams. All of them got rings that year, Texas yes. included. Five-way oh, tie. I remember Steve. that. I remember really? that. Yeah. I mean, like, 94. 94? Yeah. Five-way tie. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. And so I go, had had a good visit, but it just seemed a little too much like home. And Austin, I could not get Austin out of my head. Right. Of course not. I could. Tall drink of water every every step you take. No yeah. Problem. In fact, so 94, it was that was the five-way tie for the Southwest Conference. Oh. And they picked... Was it Tech that went? You said Tech went the couple, and I think the only reason because they were the team that hadn't been yeah. in the longest. And that because because like there was there was no like set up tiebreaker or anything. I remember this, yeah, because this was this was a couple years after I and and so they said, well, Tech's had the longest dry spell, so yes. we'll send Tech to the Cotton. Oh wow! And yeah. Rice, Rice, that's when Rice upset Texas. Yes. In in Houston that year, yes, right. Oh God, it's garbage. But uh-huh. it's very much garbage. <laughs> but the coach but, at the time. <laughs> so I reset. I come home. Sorry. And here comes mid January. Now to back up, I, one of my good friends that I played football with in Mesquite, his name is Josh Cannon. Uh, we were going to go on a few. I was going to go on my official, but he was. Uh, I was one of the Division One prospects. He was going to be like North Texas and below. Great middle linebacker. But he had a tetanus shot and developed a, uh, a condition called Guillain-Barre syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, in which kind of, if I, if I have it correct, it kind of coats your nerve endings. Yes. You know, I mean, people who, who contract Guillain-Barre syndrome when they're older, it's, it's, term, it's almost terminal. Mm. Like so – I mean, he was the toughest, strongest guy I'd ever seen, like a 600-pound squatter in high school. And he is literally reduced to a breathing machine Mm -hmm. in a hospital bed. Yeah. And during that time I'm getting recruited, I just would go up there every weeknight when I was in town because he was one of my best friends. And um, I remember – so I go – so I'll I'll hit the A&M trip and I'll come back to that. I go to A&M. And listen, A&M at that time had been playing in every Cotton Bowl. They played Florida State. They played Notre Dame. They were really they, – they were on that 10-year swing from 84, 85 to 93, 94. And I think 
Texas had won one or two years during that whole 10 years, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so 94, they're at the little pinnacle. So they haven't played in the Cotton Bowl yet. Or, no, they just did. They just did. And so I'm going on a trip, and all they can talk about is, this is better than Texas, isn't it? Like, everywhere they went, like, how do you like the stadium? Oh, great stadium. It's better than Texas, isn't it? Mm. We go to the dining hall. Hey, uh, how's the food? Oh, man, I was just trying to be – then again, I wasn't a dyed-in-the-wool Longhorn at the time. I, didn't, mm-hmm. I knew that A&M didn't like Texas. Right, right. And I'm like, why are these cats <laughs> – why do they keep comparing themselves to a program they've been beating? Mm-hmm. I didn't get it. Yeah. I, I just didn't get it, you know, and mm. – you know, you know their, you know, you know their, uh, their culture there. I mean, Different. you're either an Austin guy or you're a College Station guy. Yep. And there is no in between. Yeah. No. Right. Oh yeah. It's it's uh, yeah. You're right. It, and and so funny because people in College Station, it's Austin is the is the you know seventh level of hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. To yeah. The, you know. Until every weekend, you see people from College Station coming up to Austin for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, no question. It's that terrible, I guess. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I just it was one of those things where R.C. Slocum, you know, it, then again, his presence in a, in a small, you know, fourteen hundred square foot house in Mesquite, Texas, he can fill a room. I mean, he's powerful. Yeah. And so I leave Texas A and M, but it just. All I kept thinking about was Austin. Mm-hmm. And so I go back to the hospital and um, just check on my buddy. And the punter of all people at University of North Texas is there visiting him. Now, Josh, the guy who contracted Guillain Beret, he had committed to North Texas. Uh, Coach Simonton, who was at North Texas, honored that commitment. No matter if he got better. Or not, they were going to honor that scholarship. Mm, which, awesome. you know, someone in North that's Texas, they don't have scholarships to be throwing around. Not right? at all. So this punter, who I don't even know his name to this day, he was in there, and he's talking to Josh. And I walk in, and, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to be Mr., you know, three, four-star cool daddy, right? And he goes, so where, where are you looking at going? He goes, I know you're, I know you're going to, because I was going to take an unofficial to North Texas. The day that he got he contracted Guillain Beret, I was just going to go eat the, the shrimp and the steak, you know, for <laughs> yeah. a couple of days, you know, and drink some cold beer. Exactly. Well, that's all I wanted to do because yep. I wasn't going to North Texas. And so, <laughs> and so, this guy has this real sober talk with me. He's like, "Hey, so who are you looking at?" And I tell him, "I'm like, hey, I'm Texas, Texas A&M, Tech, you know, uh, Nebraska bowed out, Michigan." And he goes, "Hey, man, can I give you a bit of advice?" I go, "Yeah." And I'm not really going to listen to it, but I just want to hear it out. And he yeah. said, you need to commit now. Don't wait. He goes, because the places you want to go, he goes, you have a chance to go where you want to go as opposed to where they want you to go. So, I, dude, it hit me like Tom lightning. Bricks. It yeah. hit me like lightning. So I go, this is literally how I chose the University of Texas. I have a stack of cards in my room that I share with my brother, probably five inches tall, mm-hmm. three or four inches tall. And it has every card of every person who's recruiting me. Yeah, I just start – there wasn't like a, a table moment with my family. 
I didn't have a you know a big mama who goes, if you don't go here, then I'm not going <laughs> to sign your lease. Yeah. My dad literally gave the decision to me and said, son, wherever you want to go, you can go. Right. So I'm in my room. I, I had a high school girlfriend. I said, hey, I got to get off the phone. I'm going to choose where I go to college. I don't know where. This is literally how I chose University of Texas. I start rifling through cards by myself in mm-hmm. my room. I, I, and I, I land on uh, Randy Rogers', Rogers uh, card at the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah, I'm going to go to Texas. Yeah. So I start calling. I call the number. Then again, there are no cell phones. Right. I call, and there is no voicemail. Mm-mm. I call probably five or six times. And I'm like, well, damn. I guess they don't want me coming to Texas then. True story. I pick up, I rifle through, and I get the Texas Tech card. And it's Rick Dykes. Right. Uh, call Rick. Hang up on the first round. I'm, I'm going to give Randy Rogers one more one more chance. I'm going to give, because Texas Tech had been beating Texas. Right. You know, all Hans Bard, all those guys, Zach Thomas, all those guys have been beating Texas at the time. And I call Randy Rogers on like the sixth or seventh ring picks up. He'd been in the shower. Hmm. As a as a recruiting coordinator, they during that time they didn't leave. Right, they stayed there the mm-hmm. whole like they were they were required for weeks to stay yeah. there and sleep there and so I called and because uh, not every coach at the time had a cell phone, which yeah. is crazy to me. Right, right. And he called and he go and I go, coach. This is Brandon Nob. He goes, yeah, Brandon. He goes, I, I go, I'm calling to commit. And he goes, well, I don't have the power to give you scholarship, but Coach Makovic will, and he he's excited to hear from you. Wait by the phone, yeah. and he'll call you in a few minutes. And John Makovic called, and he said, he, he goes, I heard you guys have something to say. Tell me. I'm going, Coach, I want to commit to play for the University of Texas. Hmm. And he goes, well, Co- we, we have, he goes, we have, not only do we have a scholarship, we have two. He goes, we want you to come play for us. And that was, that was it. Now, little did I know, Rick Dykes had flew – from Lubbock to Mesquite, and he was staying at the La Quinta Inn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Now, this is how news started kind of flying fast. I have no idea how this happens. At 10 I, I committed at 10.30 at night. At 6 o'clock in the morning on the Dallas Morning News, it says Nava, just front and center, Nava commits to Texas. Ooh. What? Yeah, yeah. You got a picture of that? You got? You got I that? have it at the house. I have. We, it. Need, to, we need. We need that. We. I want to see it. Nava yeah. commits to Texas. That's cool. Wow. Rick Dykes wakes up at breakfast. He didn't tell me that he was coming in. He was trying to swat everyone away because he thought I was coming to tech, Texas Tech. Wow. At breakfast, he is reading. Nava commits to Texas. Mm. He calls me at six thirty in the morning. Pissed off, dude. His hair's on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. And he's like, "Hey, Brandon." He goes, "He goes, what are you doing?" I go, "Oh, coach, I'm sleeping." He goes, "Well, he goes, yeah." So, what's going on? I go, "Well, he goes, ah, oh, not, not, nothing, coach." He goes, "Well, that's not what the newspaper reads." Hmm. He goes, "It says you committed to Texas last night." Hmm. And I was like, "Yes, sir, I did." And dude, he proceeded to rip your ass. He ripped my yeah. ass. Yeah, up one side and down mm, the other. Yeah, and then I, I, you know, I'd never had a man talk to me like that, right? Yeah, yeah. 
you know, because if you're in my face, I would just knock you out. Right. You know? <laughs> but, but you know, those coaches, you know, hey, you you're you, intimidated a little bit. You yeah, know, they're power. I mean, you know, you respect them. Yeah. You know, and so you don't want to burn too many bridges. But I'll never forget this. He goes, he goes. You know, we've beat Texas the last two years, right? He goes, we're going to see an Austin next year. And we beat their ass the next year. Yeah, fifty to seven. Really? Oh, fifty seven. We wore that was that one where they tried to run a fake, uh, fake punt or fake kick, and Tony Bracken just absolutely just ripped lit- the, them up. Yeah, he broke uh. this kid's back. Just- <laughs> but yeah, so so then again, dude, he has this conversation. He then he tries to come to the he, Rick Dykes comes to the uh, high school and tries to have another conversation with me, and Can't I'm like, you're just ripping like, an asshole. I'm like, coach. Coach, I'm going to Texas. He goes, all right. But, you know, he, to his credit, he had stayed with me the whole time. Mm-hmm. But after that, that's when, you know, I committed mid-January after talking to this punter, and here I go, you know. They send me a depth chart, and apparently I'm, I'm the second outside linebacker starting at the University of Texas before I even get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not true, guys, if you're listening. <laughs> you actually have to earn your position. Right, exactly. <laughs> but there was a problem. They ran the 3-4, which if, you don't, if, you don't, if you're not versed in defenses, um, a 3-4 defense means the first number is your defensive line count, right? You have three defensive line. Four is your linebackers, right? Well, when you've run a 3-4 for years, that means you only have depth for those three linemen and depth for the linebackers. Well, when mm-hmm. you flip that, you're really light at defensive line, and you have a gazillion line scholarship linebackers, exactly. right? Because typically in football, your linebackers and your defensive backs, you recruit them for depth, but you recruit them for special teams too. Mm-hmm. Right, they're the ones who are going to prime. Your quarterbacks aren't going to play special teams, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And you don't, your de- offense and defensive line are, aren't going to run out down on kickoffs, right? And so, so I look up when I get there, literally the first day. Because did you guys have Dusty Renfro on here? Yes, yeah, we of did. course mm-hmm. we did. Yes, Dust was my roommate. Right, he, we we meet each other for the first time. I'm literally 16th. Out of sixteen scholarship linebackers, I am at the very back, and there might be there may be another eight walk on linebackers. I called my dad. I'm like, Dad, like, there's like twenty five guys in this room. Wow, right? And he's like, Man, you got to work your way up. And <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of how I got. The, that's the story of how to, I got to Texas, right? And so, you know, you get there and. You're you're in a class. The class of '95 was a smaller transitional class. It was a lot of defensive backs. Give me some names in that '95 uh, class. Ricky Williams, yeah. obviously. You mm. know, you, you, you what know. did he do? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, of 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 all the questions you get asked, how's Texas football? The the next question is, how good was he? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you look at a guy who. If he would have played his entire career in the NFL, he—I think he finished up with ten thousand yards in NFL and skipped six seasons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The first day were because during that time, right? They always brought freshmen in a week before to acclimate. Right. Yep. You can't bring them in when the varsity gets there because you know the big dogs—they'll overwhelm everyone. Right. Right. And so. 
There is Dusty Renfro. There is um, there's Derek Lewis who who caught the uh, touchdown at you know ninety six Nebraska Big Twelve Championship game, right? There is uh, a guy who went on to be a model, Marty Cherry, you know, for polo. Um, really? You had, yeah. We got models? Listen, he got <laughs> I'd, I'd, Yeah, I've we'll heard about that. We'll fast forward. In 97, we're, we had eight turnovers against UCLA. They're beating us 66-3. to three. Uh, uh, Marty takes his helmet off, and he gets a, he gets a, uh, a modeling contract because he took his helmet off. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I don't roll that way, but the dude That's was pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> he's a beautiful young man. I mean, he's, uh, he's beautiful eyes. <laughs> <laughs> the most humble guy you've ever met. Yeah, man. You, you yeah. have, you know, you have the next year is when Texas in 96 filled their lineman spot. You start talking Casey Hampton, Aaron Humphrey, mm. uh, Cedric Woodard. Uh, we were more of the defensive, you know. We had uh, Aaron, uh, Anthony Hicks. We had Matt. When did Jones. Corey Redding come? Ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. Corey came the f- the second year of Coach Brown when we signed uh, Chris, Chris, which I was a senior. Uh, Chris sent the number the the two number one players in the country, offense and defense. It was not, it, which was that's Him and when Chris, yeah, and Chris, yeah. Chris and, and Corey. I mean, wow. but but Ricky. There, there are a couple of people in my time when I saw them play, I thought in no universe could I ever get to that level. They're that good. It's not, it's not you know, a disservice to say that. They're just that good. One was Quentin Jammer. Yeah. Um, Quentin Jammer had, when he, when he was in man coverage, his hands literally hung almost to his knees. Yeah. I his, saw that. Right. I remember that. No, I, I remember, remember that. Right. Uh, you have you have Corey Redding who came in as a S- Sam linebacker who, you know, had a motor on him unlike anyone else. Um, Leonard Davis um, big uh, is big. I mean, mm-hmm. as big as Leonard is, he can move. Yeah. Right. You had Mike uh, Mike Williams. Uh, uh, you had um, at least at the time, not in our class, but Ricky. I mean, literally was like an ice box with arms, right? Like yeah. he just was – he was so built low to the ground. He, uh, I think the thing that people don't give Ricky enough credit for, they, they, you know, he's obviously a fringe guy in, in, in certain respects, but he's one of the smartest individuals football-wise you've ever met, mm. right? He knew the game. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think one thing that, that kind of gets taken from him because he's so gifted is how hard he worked, right? I mean, mm. he was a hard worker. He he was a guy who, you know, how many people play pro baseball in the summer and really don't condition football, and then within a day or two of football where all the football guys have been doing summer workouts, yeah. he can catch up with you in a week. Mm. It just isn't fair. <laughs> <laughs> it just isn't fair. Yeah. It is, you know, you look up, you're like, I can never be that, it, you know? It, that, that's just, that's athletic gifts that, you know, yeah, you just don't see. No, it's endowed by creator only. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's why, right. and that's why, that's why he, you know, Heisman Trophy and everything. I mean, you, you yes. see that. Yes, so. I was getting in an argument with someone the other day because we were talking about just the records and stuff, and and um, Ron Dane's name came up, right? Right. And Ron Dane was a true fullback, a true tailback in Wisconsin, 
he, he started all four years the same years that Ricky did. I think Ron was one more year, a year younger. Uh, he started in 96. But Ron Dane beat Ricky Williams by just a few hundred yards, one or 200 yards. Yeah, broke the all-time college rushing record, right? He had almost 400 carries, more carries. Yeah. <laughs> that that yeah. I mean, imagine a running back only gets about three fifty four hundred carries if they're really carrying the ball a lot. Ron Dane had about three or four hundred more carries a season worth of carries more to beat Ricky Williams by two hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Wow! You know, I mean, a kid I mean, Ricky played true fullback his first two years because we had such a loaded backfield, backfield. with Priest Holmes and yeah. Sean Sean Mitchell. Yeah, right. Exactly. You can't do anything about that. That was right. awesome. But you ask uh, who else was in our class. Yeah. Ron McKelvey. Okay. So <sighs> let me tell you a story about Ron McKelvey. This, okay. is, this is the other s- question I get asked a lot. Ron McKelvey uh, played at uh, Sacramento State. He graduated high school in 1985. Played in Sacramento State, 85, 86. He played right. for four years, maybe redshirted one. Okay. All right. Okay, so now it's, what, 1990? Yeah. He gets out. uh, He tries his hand at the NFL and the Canadian Football League, can't make it, right? Uh, This is is the real short version. Well, his parents own a liquor store out in California. He works at it, and I think he's, like, uh, kind of volunteer coaching at a local uh, community college, Mm -hmm. like a JUCO. Yeah. He just gets in the idea. He gets the idea in his head, like I, I want to keep playing. He's already exhausted his eligibility. Eligibility. His name is Ron Weaver. That's his. That's his given name. Okay. He convinces a guy named Ron McKelvey to give him his social security number. Okay. What? Yeah. Yeah. I he, remember. I remember right, this. Right? So what? No, this is yeah. This happened here, at this university. <laughs> this was this, this was huge. This yeah, really. This was a I know huge the aftermath, story. But I didn't know this part of it. This is the reason why every person, when they when they show up to uh, two a days, yeah, even though they've been in the program, you have to present your social security card and you have to present your ID, your photo ID. Wow. So because of Ron, so this is the mm-hmm. Ron like. So what happened was. He convinces this guy, this guy who's not playing, he goes, who had eligibility because everyone does, right? Right. He goes, "Hey, could I just take? I'm I'm going to enroll in this junior college, right?" Yeah. He had no idea where this road was about to take him. He becomes junior college all American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he played in junior college. He played for two more years. Are you serious? So now he's four. Now two more years. That's six. If he registered, that's six or seven years in the game. Texas starts recruiting him. Oh wow! <laughs> so in my class, there were they were trying to fill some spots with junior college guys. Sean Mitchell came mm-hmm. from. He was an Austin. He was uh he was out of um oh uh um Blend Blend yeah Austin LBJ product yeah was going to sign with Texas uh, when he came out in ninety three uh-huh. but he um. Hey, you know, from a grade standpoint, he had to go right. to Blinn. It was an right. academic thing, yeah. Goes to Blinn, tears it up, All-American, may, maybe a national title, I'm not sure. Comes back to Texas. So mm-hmm. there's Sean Mitchell, there is, um, there's like five or six JUCO guys that come in. Ron comes with him. Mm-hmm. So now, four, five, six, this is his seventh football season. <laughs> college. <laughs> college football college, season. Now, yeah. I, now, he's in our class, right? So we got to go and do all the registrar stuff. Everything. He's a 
He's a good-looking guy, light-skinned uh, guy, keeps his hair shaved, right? Yeah. Face shaved, right? And so um, we he plays the whole year. He's Now, we have two, Taji Allen and Bryant Westbrook. Westbrook was a, f- a top-five pick, right? Yeah. So there was no room to start, but he played, right? Yeah. So what happened, we go, we play uh, Jim Drunkenmiller, and the Virginia Tech Hokies in the Sugar Bowl. New right? Orleans. In New Orleans. Yep. Right? Here it goes. And so and so we play Virginia Tech. We okay. we go mm-hmm. in ninety five, we go ten one and one, right? Right. The only loss we lost was Notre Dame. We were it was we were winning twenty to nineteen in South Bend. And they proceed to run about twenty five kick a punt of kick, I mean they run. They beat us fifty-five to twenty. The only other game we tied. That was the last year you can tie. We tied that, OU, oh, OU in the Cotton Bowl, twenty-four to twenty-four. Yeah. Okay. The weirdest feeling in the world. Yeah. To tie. It's nasty. It was really <laughs> weird because we're walking out of the stadium. You know, the thing about the thing. I wish, and I'll get back to the story. The thing I wish about the Cotton Bowl, I wish they switched it. I wish Texas had the awning where you walk down one year right. and OU. As it stands, no matter if you're if, – unless you just beat the hell out of Oklahoma. Four years ev- in a row. Everyone's just going to yell at you that you suck, right? Yeah, like when exactly. you walk up, so, yeah. right? So we tied that game. We tied. So we're walking up, and there's, you suck. Like, well, we tied. <laughs> like, well, if you tied someone who sucks, what is that? Yeah, you suck, suck exactly. too. <laughs> you're Oklahoma. You suck. Yeah, exactly. And so that's right. So Love we're it. ten one and one. We lost one game. That was the first year of what we now know as the BCS, the Bowl Championship Series. Right. That was the first year. Right. We get we get picked to go to. Um, we get picked to go to the Cotton Bowl. I mean, the Sugar Bowl. Virginia Tech has a really good team. Mm-hmm. And three, two days before the game, lo and behold, there was a uh, there was a, a reporter who was trying to cover the story. Like, why do you have eight or nine scholarship athletes from California in Texas? It was going to be called the Texas Pipeline. Uh-huh. So he goes out and is interviewing all of their families. Like, why did they choose Texas? Mm-hmm. Well, they go to Ron Weaver's parents. Uh oh, and uh, they have they have a you know they have I think the guy had a uh, kind of like a program you know where your name and your right. you know your you know, your nameplate in your face and and they're showing it to their parents like hey like how did your well backstory is Ron never told him there he was going to Texas <laughs> to play football. Oh my wow. goodness! He just told his family because they were like. He told his family, I'm just going to go work in Texas. So now here's this reporter showing up, mm-hmm. going like, hey, like, this is your son. He's on one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. And the mom looks and goes, yeah, that's my son, but his name isn't Ron McKelvey. His, mm. We're Weavers. <laughs> Y'all got it messed up. Yeah. We're Ron, we're Weavers. We're not McKelvey's. Wow. So the guy's like, huh. And he starts doing a little digging. Yeah. Yeah. And then he contacts Coach Makovic. So Co- Coach Makovic calls Ron. We're we're in New Orleans and all we just practice. It's late at night. Ron he calls Ron in and he goes, I I know he goes, Your gig is up. 
Wow. He goes, I, I know that you're not who you say you are. So he quarantines Ron. Wow. He sends Ron back up to his uh, room. Uh-huh. Ron, Ron, he night flights. He just packs up his truck yeah. and roll tides. He's just out. <laughs> right? He rolls. So we are, uh, we, we have like an emergency meeting at like 1030 or 10, 10.30 at night. John Makovic calls everyone in. And his first signs, I'll never forget it. He'll, he says, guys, Ron McKelvey is not Ron McKelvey. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> yep. Now, you got to think, people who are listening to this, when you're 18 and 19 years old and you're having cold beers down on 6th Street, yeah, <laughs> right? And Coach Makovic then began to say, we think that he's writing a tell-all book. Yeah. Uh. And so, oh, so I'm over there chest bumping him and booty bumping him in clubs, yeah, and just sharing like shots and uh-huh. you know and all this stuff. And then you know, I mean, at times where you know you'll bet on dumb stuff or whatever, mm. you're like, oh god, he's gonna scout me, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We're done. That was that was a huge scandal, and it was because everybody's everybody's worried about. Texas is going to get, uh-huh. you know, they're going to have to vacate wins. Uh-huh. They're, gonna, they're not going to so play the Cotton Bowl, Great. all that stuff. So this was all out in, in the open. Like, after yeah. it came right. out in media and everything. Out, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember oh. it coming out, but my question to you is this. So that night, he tells you Ron's not Ron. Yes. And then what happened after that? At I mean, that point, my, my perspective was our focus went out the window. Right. Mm. We were a little, you know, because when you go to a bowl game, and as y'all know this, it's the coaches try to dial up the intensity the first right. couple mm-hmm. of days. It's not fun. Right? Yeah, no, you're right. It's not fun. The first day you get there, man, especially Coach Brown, man, yeah. he will die. It's almost like he's mad at you. Yep. Right? He will dial in the intensity to make sure, like, hey, listen, we are not going to be embarrassed during this game. Right. So when you're already at that level of intensity and focus, and now, man, something just deflates you. Mm-hmm. It it kind of deflated our focus, and so we ended up. I think we. I don't know what the final score with that fourteen twenty eight fourteen or we were up fourteen ten. I think at half, and then there was right. two junk calls that were made. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was one of those things where. I mean it 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 was it was a surreal. Like I even got interviewed for it like two years ago. A guy who was going to unearth this story 20 years later and mm-hmm. found him ron ron lives in like the san diego south i mean the south you know, la area mm. and uh like i think he's a general manager of a restaurant or something and mm-hmm. loves texas football and <laughs> and all he wanted to do was play football that's all he wanted to do but i think they had to get their texas had to get their legal team in where hey listen you know you go your way we'll go our way you better not you know speak of it like Look! Right. Look online. He he scrubbed wow. from the bowels of Texas history. There, of course, there is, is no Ron McKelvey yes. in the on the oh, roster. Yeah, yeah. there is no. Now there, I have a picture at the house that yeah, <laughs> that like proves a team it. picture, right? <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> he is scrubbed he, from the bowels. Yeah, you yeah. don't hear him mentioned. No, at all, no, except for except by. So did guys anything like happen me. to the team yeah. or the records or anything like that? No, because he he played in a few games and it was all mop up. So they yeah. kind of determined that he didn't have a. Right, a, big role, a, a rig role, and, and I mean, I think he, I mean, we were beating Texas Tech 
56 to nothing, and they threw yeah, a Yeah, that's the thing. He was never a starter or anything. No, they threw a nine so out of him for the only, for the <laughs> only point. Right? I think wow. they also made the point that it, it did come out that Texas truly didn't know. Right. I yes. mean, this was, this no. was total, you know, this Big was minutes. totally on yeah. him. Yeah. And, uh, and just so, yeah, luckily Texas didn't get penalized for any of it. Yeah. And you're right. It was just a, uh, from this day forward, you know, his name will not be spoken. (laughs) And you got to bring your ID. Like they, they're pretty militant now. Like bring your ID to check in every two days. Yep. And you can thank Ron McKell or Weaver, Ron Weaver. (laughs) (laughs) Whichever one it is. Each one. Each one. McKell V. Weaver. Yeah. 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 That guy. Yeah. Tell me about. When you went through, so you're, I mean, your freshman year is 95, win Southwest Conference Championship, yes. Saint, yes. 96, first Big 12 Championship. Yes. And then 97 hits. Yeah. That, you know, that's really, you know, one of the big reasons maybe why Stevie's here, but uh, I'll tell you why. Was it? Here's what happened. In 96, we went, we went seven and four, mm-hmm. one that, then played Nebraska. Well, the well, first most, Big 12 championship game, James Brown said, we're going to yes. beat them by three touchdowns, and yeah. John McVick almost lost his ever-loving mind. <laughs> well, most people don't realize this, that 95, we go 10-1-1 heading into the bowl. In the second year, we lose three games by like eight or nine points, and that 7-4 and four would have easily been 10-1. and one. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you can't cry over spilled milk, but – we were a lot better than seven and four. And so we lose four NFL defensive backs. We lose uh, a career linebacker and a guy named Tyson King, who was just an animal. And then uh, we lost a few offensive uh, weapons from that Big 12 championship team. But the big one was the next year, the first game or two, we lost a guy by the name of Chris Akins and Casey Hampton. Mm-hmm. Chris mm-hmm. So you're talking people people wonder like what happened in ninety seven? I'll tell you. We had to replace like eight starters on defense. And James Brown, our you know, our stud quarterback, has a high ankle sprain all year and was really never, you know, 100%. There, yeah, it was never a hundred percent. So here we are. We're um we get into the season. I mean, and we're I mean, we have lost all of our depth. Right. Um John Makovic had a chance to go get a young coach named Bob Stoops. Mm-hmm. He was the Florida defensive coordinator. He hadn't accepted the job at Oklahoma yet. Uh, he decides to promote the wide receiver coach, Bobby Jack Wright, to defensive coordinator. Like, I, I, it boggles my mind. Yeah. Like, it boggles my mind that someone can play, you know, who could coach uh, receivers – who could coach uh, special teams and then coordinate a defense? That that was the. I mean, not to, not to blame everything on Bobby Jack because he didn't really have a whole lot. He had a lot of young players uh, defensively to uh, you know to kind of groom up. But if you're a receivers coach, how do you develop a linebacker? Right. So we well, to look, his credit, though, Bobby Jack was linebacker coach when I was there. Texas. He was. He right. was. So he he had had a he had, had history, a background. History deep, but but I get what you're saying. Totally. He had had a background. At that point, you should have went and got a hired gun. Yeah. Got a big guy. Yeah. Um. And so um, he didn't. 
so we have kind of a someone who doesn't really know how to coordinate defense. Mm-hmm. And then you have a quarterback that's that's you know, he didn't UCLA happens, right? Which is probably the biggest black eye in my whole career, right? Um uh, Cade McNown, UCLA comes in. They the two games prior to that people don't remember this, they were 0 and two. Right? They played Peyton Manning in Knoxville mm. in Tennessee. And then they play Ryan Leaf in Washington State, who won the Pac-10. Yep. Uh, and they're 0-2. So UCLA has to play uh, Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf, and then James Brown at Texas. Like, man, <laughs> yeah. that's, I mean, they weren't who just Who him. just beat Nebraska. Who just beat Nebraska. And then the, t- the team that beat Nebraska was not the team that was on the field in 97. I mean, I had to put James, uh, Leonard Davis as a defensive tackle. Hmm. Mike Williams and James and Leonard Davis are two first round offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Were my defensive tackles? Wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. Kinda. I mean, if you yeah. if you if you want a pass rush, they're not going to give you anything, right? Right. But if you want something to move, you, you can't move them, right? And so it was one of those things where we were we had a lot of talent. Like Coach Brown, when he inherited that staff. Uh, that that roster, it was chocked full oh, yeah. of talent. Yeah, I mean, chocked full. But we were one year away from being something again because we were so depleted defensively. Right, and that it, you know it, that's where I got my opportunity. That's when I started. Right, outside linebacker. You know, we then again, I was always going to be a three-four Sam rush linebacker. Right, I I would rush the passer. Well, then you switch to three linebackers, and you take me away from the line of scrimmage. That's a different, you know. If you notice, Dusty and I look totally different for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) I cover down tight ends, and I, you know, I'm almost like a hybrid defensive end. Right. Right. Well, when you put a guy like that back and have to read and stuff, it it changes the dynamics of how you play football. Right. Yeah. So all that really makes sense to what you said. Probably why I'm here. Yes. Because when I committed and I came here in mid-year. Yes. Um, uh, in January, I reported. Mm-hmm. And Casey Hampton walked up to me. He's like, oh, you're here. Yes. Like he didn't know that I had committed in anything like that. He probably didn't. But when I got here, he said, he looked at me in Casey Hampton fashion. He said, if you're strong, oh, you playing. And walked off. <laughs> and walked off. Casey, uh, Casey and Sean was tired. They were tired of playing the whole entire game. They were That's tired. all they had. They were tired. It was Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers in, in my freshman year, true <laughs> freshman year. It, me and Marcus, Marcus Tubbs backed up um, uh, Sean, and I backed up Casey yeah, as a yeah. true freshman. Yeah. I'm yeah. Still supposed to That's got to be awesome, isn't it? It was awesome. Okay. But – the stress on me in my body, I had a stress fracture. Yeah. Wow. I, I, they, they threw me out there, and I had to play. And, guys. And I played the first three games, got a stress fracture against um, uh, Stanford my true freshman year and got my red shirt. Yes, I, in, in Palo Alto. Y'all played yeah, in, Palo, yeah. in Palo Alto. And I broke my foot, and um, Casey was pissed off. Man, you all right? Man, get up. I was like, no, my foot hurt, man. I'm gone. <laughs> so, and, I, and then that year again, that, that same year, Sean, that next game, in fact, Sean went down to where it was only Casey and Marcus. Yes. And then, you know. The and then Reese. Yeah. Yeah. Reese. Yeah. Maurice yeah. yeah. Gordon. Maurice Gordon and, uh, and uh, Miguel McKay. 
You know, and and once again, Casey said he had to play the whole game. Yes. He hated it, but you're right. It it was a depleted line, and then they threw us in there, and it, we we finally got you know after that we got you know the Rod Wright came in, yes. Larry mm-hmm. Dibbles came in, and all that stuff. But yes. it was it was it started then. You're right. You're exactly right. And if you're listening to this this podcast. Stevie and I don't look alike. Like, <laughs> he's a defensive lineman. Yeah. Like, I was forced to be a defensive lineman when Mac Brown came. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's probably a little bit before. But I mean, right. we I mean, you know, we we look up. We're four and seven. We probably had an outside chance to win two of those to go bowl eligible. But in the whole scheme of things, right? Providence. Mac Brown should have been there in '98. I mean, yeah. it just mm-hmm. it, it it sacrificed my career. I mean, when I when he first so imagine now we lose to A and M and A and M went on to play in the Big Twelve Championship and got beat by Nebraska ninety seven. Nebraska wins another national title ninety seven. Here comes so a week later, you know we there were no bow hopes. We go home. I had been to two bowl championship series before this. I had had mm-hmm. two conference championship rings. I had no idea what it was like to spend December at home. Mm. Yeah. So a week later, no one called. We I found out like everyone else did. John Makovic is fired through ESPN. Really? Mm. That's how we found out. Mm. I think I was eating at an on-the-border mesquite and mm. I was just having <laughs> chips and salsa. What was your reaction? Because we've heard some some of the players on that on that team – weren't as enthusiastic uh weren't as distraught about him getting fired as others. You know, I I will say this. We were and as you're talking about the attitude era of wrestling, there were a handful of outlaws. There were a handful of there were a handful of outlaws mm-hmm. on that team that he allowed coach Makovic allowed to be as wild as they wanted to be. Yeah. I was one of them. Okay. Greg Moser was another one. Okay. We came from a long line of guys like a like a like a Shane Dronath. Mm. You know, <laughs> I know. Like, wow. You know, those guys who, you know, just you you were afforded a little bit more leeway on how you yeah. how you, you know conducted yourself. Conducted yourself. Right. <laughs> so when he was he was fired, I knew I knew that my protection was up. Right. You know, because when a coach comes in, like you see this in recruiting all the time, yeah. where, you know, a coach comes in and then three or four months later you have five or six people leave and they just do this gratuitous, hey, you know, we wish him the best in his future, mm-hmm. right? Future endeavor. I wasn't going to leave the University of Texas, right? Now, a series of things that started happening. So John McAvitt gets fired. Now, we have a month of staying at home. Yeah, I have a condition that was undiagnosed called Wolf Parkinson White Syndrome, which is a basically like a heart murmur. Okay, right. So here comes Mac Brown. You know, we'd heard. You know, he had built North Carolina into something special, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, compar- a basketball school. Uh, compared, <laughs> I think he was. I mean, and comparative, I think he was making one hundred and seventy-five grand a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the. Within a day, Texas offers him ten times that. Yep. Yeah, and then he made more than that, obviously. But you know, he comes in, and you know, like he's a defense first guy. He's a special teams guy. I still remember the first time he met with us. 
We called a night meeting. He flew in. He had just met with his guys from North Carolina, and then he's going to meet with us. And, you know, and you could tell he was serious, and he had this enforcer, Jeff Madden, you know. Mad Dog. Mad Dog. Now, I had an undiagnosed heart issue. Yeah. Now, that first, that first, I, I didn't, I, Coach Makovic left me alone, right? He, he left me. He was an offensive guy. Uh, so I could do not whatever I wanted to, but defensively, the, he didn't really mess with the defensive guys. He was a, you know, he I think he was a quarterback coach for Tom Landry. He was more of an offensive guy. He stayed on the offensive side because he coordinated. He ran the plays, right? Mm-hmm. You very rarely saw him on the defensive side of the ball. And so in, in our defense probably suffered for it because we gave up a lot of points, right? <laughs> and so here comes Ma- John Makovic with um, – with Jeff Madden. Mac who, Brown. Um, Mac Brown. I'm sorry. Mac Brown come with Jeff Madden. And here comes this this strength coach with a personality and a persona. And, I mean, he ran us. I mean, he killed us. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know that. I don't care what Coach Herman says, what anyone yeah. says. The 1998 <laughs> uh, offseason or spring training was the hardest in the history of Texas. We've heard it from other people on yeah. the scouts. Yeah. We've heard it. It was so hard, my heart started failing. Wow. I mean, I, I didn't know. I started falling back into runs. Mm-hmm. I was a speed guy. I was not a strength guy. I was a 4'6", 40 guy, right? Yeah. Coach Mack, Coach Mack, Coach Brown wanted me to play defensive end. Right. So the first two weeks of spring, we play linebacker. He's like, hey, he's just wanting to increase the speed of defense. Well, I don't like it. <laughs> but you know, because you said earlier, you're not putting your. Hand I'm not in the putting ground. my hand <laughs> in the dirt. And you got to go against Mike Williams and Larry oh, Davis. Shit. Yeah, no question. Hell Which no. means you're getting nothing. Every, yeah, right. Like they're going to make you look <laughs> foolish. Right. Every play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Leonard has an eight foot reach. I mean, yeah, he does. I mean, for me to use to, that's how his hand could palm your face. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I believe me. So what move are you going to set up for me to you, <laughs> which is from here to Oklahoma, to beat him? Crawl between his legs, man. Yeah. That's right. about it. Just pause him and play dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here comes the spring and summer. We're getting ready for the first season. And then I literally start falling back into runs to the point where I'm last on the team. Mm. Well, Coach Madden pulls me. Well, he calls me out in front of everybody, right? Of course. Yeah. Now I'm not. I'm not. Listen, I'm not like your average guy. If you're going to call me out, I'm just going to call you out too. Yeah. And he goes, "Hey, listen, some got some guys, you know, have been sandbagging it, and they think they get by with what they did last year." And he just calls me out. He goes, "Brandon Nava, like Brandon Nava, you're, why are you last?" So afterwards, I just walk up to him and said, "Listen, I said if we we're in a dark alley, I would just whoop your ass." Now listen, Coach Madden. There ain't in no universe would Brandon Nava whoop Jeff Madden's ass. (laughs) (laughs) And he has these mirror shield Oakleys. I'll never forget. Uh And he just dropped them down where I could see his eyeballs. (laughs) And he goes, "Son," he goes, "There's only two things I fight over." He goes, "My wife and my kids." If you touch, if you touch either of them, you better cancel Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and he slid them back up. And he goes, "Son, I'm only here to make you better." Yeah. 
And I go, Coach, something's wrong. He goes, what's wrong with you? I go, Coach, I don't know. I said, but I'm telling you, ever since y'all been here, something's wrong. And he is the one who specifically sent me to the doc. Um, and they sent me to a heart doctor, and I had heart surgery two weeks later. Wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Two weeks later. Which they went, yeah, they did an ablation through my leg. They didn't, I wouldn't let them cut my chest plate because I would have had the red shirt or gray shirt at that yeah. point. I, my career pretty much would have been over. So, right, right. Three days later, I'm running back with the team. But no one ever communicated this to me. I, I don't really know if they, if they thought it or not. But heading into my junior year, I don't even know if you can afford to put a kid who just had heart surgery back on the field. I don't even know. Mm, yeah. I don't even know if you'd want to. But for years, I had a hard time with Coach Brown because – I thought he was trying to harm me more than hurt you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah help. Mm-hmm. But realistically, he was looking out. Yeah, he was probably looking out for me because I went from playing nine hundred plays nine nine oh one in ninety seven. I played eleven plays my junior year. Oh wow! I mean, it was obvious that. And when you're when you're on the good side of a staff, it feels really good. Right. When you are feeling on the way out, when you are expendable. You have to do everything in your power not to lose hope and not to lose your mind of like, okay, go to class. Because that's what normally happens, right? Someone starts putting pressure on you on the field, you're going to get discouraged. You're not going to go to class. Your grades are going to get down. Well, Mm -hmm. once your grades get down, there's nothing you can do. you got to leave school, right? Right. So for me, I had to – my story at Texas isn't of a one that with accolades and – you know all these awards it's more how to be a really good teammate yep yeah absolutely like how to find your lane in a in a team that you know the football was changing texas was changing i mean we were coming into the modern era of football right and right. so you're you know you're you're a kid who are right, how do you find your lane how do you where, where do you where do you go from here when you're probably not going to be the star because once they switch you from linebacker, I then go to the defensive tackle room. Hmm. Well, when you when you're 260 pounds, yeah. and you walk in and two first round draft picks at 3:30 at 3:30 <laughs> are setting in there, you can kiss your NFL career goodbye. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, you can you can pretty much say, you know. So, but I worked with a guy named Mike Tolson, which is probably one of the best defensive tackle coaches. Football has ever seen. It was my guy. Ever seen. Solly. Yeah. Ever seen, right? And and not only was he that good football coach, he was a really good man. Oh, the he best. Loved, he loved his kids. Right. Yeah. So, uh-huh. yeah. Well, we can get all into all that too, man. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, I think that uh, your story, like, I, di- I didn't know all this. Mm. And the Longhorn Low- Lowdown is a good show, but it's also like historian. Yeah, mm. and that, that's a big and that's a big yeah. part. That's why we wanted to do this because right. we want to hear these stories. You know, yeah. not necessarily. I mean, yes, we like to hear from the from the Aaron Rosses and the right. Corey uh-huh. Reddings yeah. and such, but yeah. we want to hear from everybody that right. played. Yeah. You know, because there are a lot a lot of guys like you that you know you had a role. You yes. may not have gone over. You know, may have not gone the NFL. You may not, yeah. but you still contributed to what the legacy of the Texas Longhorn football right. program is. Yes. And yeah. why yes. it is 
one of the blue blood programs in this country. Yes. So l- let me ask you this. Something I always always love to ask because I know I know these two guys are very proud of them. When you graduated, what, what was your degree in, by the way? Government. In government. Okay. Honored in communication. Okay. So what did it mean to you when you first put on that T-ring? You know what? It's um, So I have five, five rings total, uh, bowl rings, championship rings. It's the only ring I wear. Absolutely. Um, you know when you yes, when when you start hearing um, the rich tradition of Paul Bear Bryant in Alabama, mm-hmm. who presented to his teammates or to his team the A ring, right? That's the origins of this ring, yeah, right. And then Coach Daryl Royal comes and brings it to the University of Texas, and he designed it. You know, um, I you had seen a few of them, so. Kind of to give you a background, uh, at least what I heard, I could be wrong. Traditionally, each T-ring is supposed to be different on the sides, depending on which coach that you... Uh, mine's that you, got chiseled. Mine, it's not here today, but mine's chiseled on the side from Coach McWilliams. Yes. So right. there's there's a story. Now, Coach Brown, when he came, he, he liked Coach Royals. Yeah. He thought, listen, if it's good enough for Coach Royal... It's so if you if mm-hmm. you look at Coach Royals, it's it looks like this, right? But if you look at Coach Akers or Coach McWilliams or Coach McAvick, uh, McAvick. Uh, now I think Coach Strong just uh, out of tradition, I think he did this as well. But um, they all they all tell a story. So mm-hmm. if you see some of them, one will look like pencil scrapings, right? Yeah. Yeah. One one's like a fish scale ish looking thing, right? They're all they're all supposed to tell the story of. Who did you serve under? Right, right. Now, now it it has loosened as of late, I, I believe, in the sense of now all schools, all athletes get them, right. But there was a time, yeah, there was a time where only football players had these. I don't know. Actually, it was uh, football and baseball, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So right. that's. Now, so, well, the two the two programs that Texas is pretty much known for, right? right. Yes, I mean yes. the two championship there, programs, basketball and all the male male sports did it first, and I think now female sports get T rings. Yeah, female yes. sports get T rings, and then the support staff, support staff, support do. like students, um, oh, trainers, like, and do they uh, okay. really? So managers. trainers get it so athletic trainers, trainers get wow, athletic trainers That's and cool. managers get. Um, Equipment managers get T rings. Actually, they did get they, the T rings did get to the managers and trainers back when I was playing in yeah. the late eighties. So wow. yeah, yeah, they got it too. You're right because I know Spanky Stevens, long, long time yeah, athletic awesome. trainer at Texas. Yeah, uh, yes. Spanky and I worked together. My my full time job regulating athletic trainer licensing in the state of Texas, and Spanky and I worked together a lot. And he, every time every time he's out, he has that T ring on. Yeah. So well, and to speak. Even to a richer thing, this is the story I heard. It's it's not firsthand; it's secondhand. But Coach Herman, Coach Tom Herman, reached out to some of the people and asked permission. Like, what do you think? Do you think as a as a coach should I be able to wear one of these on the recruiting trail? You know, which to me, when I heard the story, I thought, you know, I really appreciate him even being sensitive to the fact that. This is very important. You asked me a question. Now, mm-hmm. what does it mean to me? Mm-hmm. I told you the story, but what does it mean to me? Right. I am the first person 
to graduate with a four-year degree in my family, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, and so for me, when I committed to the University of Texas, that night where I told you where I was shuffling the cards, mm-hmm. and all of these, co- I could have went to all these colleges, right? Right. My family had no input. But what I didn't tell you was after that phone call, when John McAvick hung up the phone, I was able to come down the hall and out, and all of my family were watching TV. They had no idea what I was doing in my room. And uh, I said, hey, guys, I said, I have some good news. I said, I'm going to be a Texas Longhorn, right? Mm-hmm. And, my, I mean, tears, brothers, excited. And my, one of my, my brother, Jason, he came to me. <laughs> I'll never forget this. He goes, I'm so glad. You're not an Aggie. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, we would have loved you. We would have put Maroon on. He goes, but we have been waiting for you to make this decision. Yeah. You know, and I can't tell you, I can't, I guess, you know, I am not a married man, but what I keep hearing, uh, I'm a a Christian, I'm a believing man, but there's only a handful of decisions that are extremely important to me. And Mm -hmm. this one is up there in the top three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if I would have chosen Michigan, sure, I would have won a national title. If I would have chosen that Nebraska, sure, I would have. But, you know, to you know, if there's someone listening out here and they're younger, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But um, to be a man who lives in Texas, who is from Texas, that went to Texas, this is irreplaceable. I can't, yeah, I can't explain. I can't explain to you what this means when – I'm walking and I see an older gentleman, case in point. I saw um, uh, a neurologist, a doctor. I I work with pediatrics kids who need therapy. And Mm -hmm. um, apparently there was a linebacker, he's probably 60 years old, who played, and we we were just passing. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes I don't don't wear mine. Right. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't. I get it. I tried to. I'm not today. I should have. I'm sorry, fellas. I tried good. to. You're right. I saw his. Yeah. And I was like, hey, uh, what is that ring? And I was just leaning into him. I knew what he was going to say. <laughs> he goes, well, this is a graduation ring. I was like, is it Tennessee? Yeah, exactly. I get that all the time. Like, <laughs> I was hooking him. Yeah. Right, I was hooking him. And he goes, no, no, no. This is from the University of Texas. I'm just, I go, sir, I'm just playing with you. I have one, too. I just don't wear it. He goes, really? And there was a bond. Yeah. And yep. a sixty-year-old man and a forty-year-old man just sat there like we were brothers in arms. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know when you start seeing, you know, the Stony Clarks and the Kenneth Sims and the Earl Campbells, like, like, are you telling me that I can be named in the same sentence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and so that's why See, I, stuff like that gives me chills. Yeah, that's yeah. just good stuff. Yeah, that's that's I mean, that's that's fantastic. Un, un unbelievable. So I'm, it's like, you know, what it's done for my family. Um, you know, people stop them. You know, on the streets, like you know, my I get a call probably two or three times a year where my brothers. This has probably happened ten times, but my brother will call and go, "Hey, how can we check on whether or not someone actually played or went to University of Texas?" Yeah, and I go, I don't know. And they're just people who try to who perpetrate, perpetrate mm-hmm. that they played. Yep. And I, I, I probably ten or twelve times at least where I've had to catch someone and go, "Hey, listen, you be real careful 
you know, mm-hmm. this isn't, you know, this isn't still as big as stolen valor, like, you know, someone who right. steals a military's rank right, and right. tries to make a profit on it. But, but you know, still. this was, this ring was, um, this ring was forged um, with uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice, uh, and a lot of giving of yourself. And uh, it's going to continue to do that, you know? Yeah. So, mm. absolutely. Love it. Absolutely love it. And that's why you got to take up Tom on his offer just to go around the team because yes. they need to see us. Yes. Those kids need to see us. Yes. I was out there yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I went to practice. Um, just go out there and, and just be around because when they're done, they're going to remember your face. Oh, yeah. okay. And sometimes they gonna, they're going to need us. And because they have a T-ring and we have a T-ring, they're, they're now invited and are in the legacy that we are a part of. Is it? Let me ask you this, and I want to get all three of you. The, you know, because you mentioned about Mac Brown. You know, for for all intents and purposes, he he was he did things straight out of the Daryl Roll uh-huh. handbook. Yeah. yeah, and now it seems Tom Herman is doing everything straight out of the Mac Brown handbook. Yes, yeah. does that would that be accurate? I I feel like I feel like there are. Um, Similarities. I guess the enemy of good, the enemy of great, is always good, mm-hmm. right? Um, not to be disparaging on anyone else, right? But to be to to play at the highest level, to maintain the highest level, it takes a certain type of person, yeah. right? And if someone has already kind of paved the way, mm-hmm. why don't you just look at their blueprint and kind of make it your way? Because obviously, Tom, right? You know. Especially on the social media side of things, I mean, he is, I mean, he is making, he is making a consorted effort to have his name in Texas flash every day within some kind of social media. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm not comparing. And it's to, and it's something Mac Brown didn't have to deal with a lot in his tenure. Uh-uh. No. I mean, every day we're seeing someone commit. I don't even know how many spots they have. Opened. Me neither. I, I, I'm trying to send some out next week. <laughs> I, hey, this guy's this. Yeah, right. I mean, right number two right now. Some recruiting. So yeah, right. Yeah, some some recruiting services have Texas like top two, top three. You so, know, depend so, on where you look. I mean, you know, before I was a Longhorn, I was a football fan. Right. You know, uh, and I'm a football fan. I coach a little ten year old team. Right. Mm-hmm. I love the game of football. I, I literally think it's the greatest sport ever. To I've seen Binov coach <laughs> this team. I went out to one of his. Practices. Tell us. I went out to one of Binov's practices. Yeah. This is what this show is about. Too. I'm okay. about to get it. Went out to one of his practices, guys, <laughs> and um, no, it was a scrimmage. It was a scrimmage. It was a scrimmage. I went to their scrimmage, and the one of their kids. One of their kids broke one open, wide open, and was up the sideline. This, what, 270-pound 200, man almost beat this little kid to the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> Running with them, almost took a step. And, and he comes back. I'm on the sideline, right, with the parents. I'm on the sideline with the parents. <laughs> He comes back yelling at me, chest bumping. How you like that, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> the ref, we ran, a re- we ran a naked boot pass, nine years old. We're in third wow, grade, yeah, right? Man. He catches it. I'm like, my coach is Eric. I go, hey, guys, uh, 
I just start rolling. I'm rolling. The ref is like, what are you doing? I go, I don't know, man. I, I try to beat him in the end zone. Oh, man. How do you like that, Steve Lee? Like, yeah, that's very good. Get back right. to your team. Okay. Uh, we we got we we got to wrap this up soon, but okay. before we wrap it up, B nips, <laughs> go. All right, I got about a thousand nicknames, right? Yeah. Okay, got, yeah, but, there but is, that's the one that. It's all right, here's the thing. <laughs> I have been blessed with. <laughs> how do you, how do you say this? How, for the engorged nipples, like, yeah. <laughs> the, nip, the nipples of a playmate. There you go. <laughs> So, you know, as a football okay. player, you pretty much live your life in a locker room with no sh- shorts and no shirt all right. the time, right? right. Yeah. And so you, your dudes are always going to find your weakness, yep. right? Oh. If you're a fat guy, it. they're going to make fun of your fat. If you're well, cross-sided. Now, but is that a weakness? Or, um, uh, of know. course it is. I mean, <laughs> listen, when you're just a buck tooth, freckle-faced, <laughs> Redhead. red-headed man who's just a smart aleck, yeah. right? People are just going to try to get you down. So, no, so what will happen is invariably you'll be talking to people, even to this day, and they'll just look down. And you're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you looking at my nipples? Yeah. Right? Oh. So with Hodges and Dusty, like, we just had these nicknames. Like, there was a time where – Y'all want to get into the this real quick a dirty one a good Go for one it. A good do one. it let it fly. So apparently, apparently there was this. Uh, I I'm a redheaded guy in the in the carpets. They the yeah they matched the drapes. The okay, all right. So one of my nicknames was Red Nuts. <laughs> All right. Now you go there wherever you need to go See, there. That, that, I was going to say that could take a whole different. Yeah. It was either wow. a local. Listen, it was a girl, but it was a local uh, um, uh, uh, interview. There, she was doing an interview, and Richard Walton had Richard Walton and Dusty were uh, Renfro were had sent her over to me, and was like, "Hey, listen." We're doing. We're covering this fun little story about the team of all the teams' uh, nicknames. If there's any fun ones, and they're like, "Yeah, go ask Nava why we call him Red Nuts." <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now this is a. She either worked for the Daily Texas. Yeah, the, she the, was like a little girl, and, of I, and there's a camera in my face, and I'm like, she goes, "Hey, well, we're having a little fun little spot. Would you be interested in being interviewed?" I'm like, "Yeah, of course. What's going on?" And they're like, um, they're like, well, we're talking about nicknames. So I'm like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, well, why do they call you Red Nuts? Microphone <laughs> in the face. Yeah. Now, there had been this porn um, <laughs> circulating through the dorm called Braveheart. Uh, Braveheart. Brave Braveheart. <laughs> With a and D. The villain, I'm doing air quotes. His, he was Edward the Longshank, all right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> now, I call, we called Richard the Longshank, Edward the Long, just because he was long. We were just messing with him, right? right. Yeah. So I'm like, well, the reason why they call me Red Nuts, huh? I go, well, I think it's because I'm redheaded and I'm, and I'm nutty. I'm zany. I go, but go ask Richard <laughs> <laughs> why we call him Edward the Longshank. <laughs> and then oh. she turns and run, gets to... Richard is running to the. 
<laughs> oh my Absolutely. god, that's great, man. That's, that, you know, if there was a way to end this episode, that's got to be it. That's it. I just, good lord, I, I'm never going to be able to see the words "red nuts" and yeah. and not keep Think a straight face yeah. ever again. No. Yeah. Be nips, be knob, be yeah. red nuts. Oh man! All right. <laughs> well, Nava, we're going to have you on again, yeah, sir. You we got to do. We got to do some more with this. One. That's that's awesome. Yeah, man. Brandon Nava, so good, so good to listen to those stories. Fantastic. Love the story. Yeah, we'll have to have you back on. Please, anytime. As I mean, hey, we got to do. You know, like I said, football season's upon us, so yep. you know we got to spring this back out. So, um, man, but it felt good to get. Get together, yeah. It felt did. good. I mean, it's been it's been a while, but you know, it was really good. So, uh, check us out, Longhorn Lowdown on on i on excuse me Apple Podcasts on SoundCloud. Uh, pretty much, you know, you can find it pretty much anywhere. We'll f- put it up on social media. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Subscribe to us on on Apple Podcasts. If you do subscribe, make sure you rate, review us. Let us know if you like like the show. Let us know if you want to hear from someone on a future episode of the show. For Brandon Nava, for Stevie Lee, for Todd Hunt, I'm Stu Myrick. Thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time. Until next time, hook them. Hook them. Hook them. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.